This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard for up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football. I am Mike Craven, the college football insider at Dave, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, joined as always by our sub-FBS insider, Corey Hogue to preview week 11 and look ahead to the playoffs here at the sub-FBS level. Corey, we made it, man. We made it to the most interesting time of the year. How excited are you to kind of, you know, fully sink your teeth into uh, what essentially is basically just a postseason slate for us this this week? It it is. Uh, Playoffs are starting at all levels, even though officially FCS does not start until next week, and that's because SFA and Abilene Christian are meeting this weekend to determine a WAC title, and if Abilene Christian, they're in line for an automatic bid uh, to their first ever to the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll get into that, but, yeah, it's a busy week. We got D2, D3 playoffs. Man, it it is. And we have a uh, NAI school, Texas Wesleyan, that feels they got kind of messed out out of a spot there, but when I looked at numbers, I think they chose the right one in the end on that one. Be sure to check out texasfootball.com. Corey got up news yesterday about East Texas Baptist and their coaching change uh, that happened there. There's going to be more coming down the pipe. We can guarantee you that. Uh, The Blitz is going to be coming out tomorrow. It's got conference realignment stuff, budget stuff, UTRGV. It is that time of year where we are just locked and loaded on not only the season, but kind of the start of the off season for some of these programs that are done and dusted. So uh, make sure you're at texasfootball.com. Please rate and subscribe this one, five stars, subscribe, download, all that kind of stuff. For those people who are new, we spend the first half of this podcast previewing what happened the week before. Then we spend the last half of the podcast uh, or previewing what's going to happen next, reviewing week 11, then previewing uh, week 12. My mind is all over the place. I've been in about 13 meetings today. Uh, you know, rubbers meet in the road at every single level of college football. So uh, it has been it has been a busy week. I apologize if I sound a little scatterbrained. This is busy for this all of us, you know, Mike. Like uh, we, I had selection shows at four, four thirty, and six on Sunday. <laughs> you know, but it is this is one of those where it's our busiest time of the year. November, December is by far our busiest times of the year. But it's also our most fun times. Like we run oh, on yeah. very little sleep, very little energy, a lot of energy drinks, a lot of liquid IV energy mix, and um, a whole lot of fun, man. Th- these are the times we look back on, and this is why we love to do it. Greg Tepper told me when I was young, and I hate giving Greg Tepper credit for anything, but he said, in this industry, you're either going to be tired or you're going to be hungry. Either, yes. either you're going to be tired because you're working a lot, or you're going to be hungry because you're not working at all. And so you got to pick one. And I think He's both right. of us always, I think both of us always pick tired. So we're uh, <laughs> we're going on fumes right now. Let's get into it. Nobody wants to hear about our uh, our struggles as no. as media people paid to watch college football. Uh, pre- <laughs> let's let's look back and review Week 11 real quick. Uh, it was it was the start of playoffs, you know, at the JUCO level, but you know, kind of ending it uh, for the D2 D3 
Um, and let's start there. D2, Angelo State improved to 11-0 and on the season with a 37-19 to win over Midwestern State. The Mustangs finished their year at 6-5 and after the loss. The Rams put this one to bed pretty early. It was 17-6 at halftime, 31-6 after three quarters. Midwestern State helped out by throwing three interceptions. Angelo State ranked second in the nation and received the top seed in Super Region 4, earning themselves a bye and home field advantage. Corey, what were your main takeaways from this game, and how impressed are you that the Rams were able to run run the gauntlet in the regular season without a single hiccup? I'm very impressed because there was no bye week in this process as well. So they win 11 straight weeks. They won every single one of them. And it's the first time they that since 1978. And uh, that's the year they won the NAI national championship. So they are definitely have, and, and they're a machine and they're not just a machine, but they're a machine that's got some pretty good oil in it. And it is rolling <laughs> right now, you know, and, and I, I do want to say this. I'm not going to throw the, the guy's name out there, but I did witness something that may, that, that may be historic in a way, uh, in a bad way for MSU. Uh, the starting quarterback got injured on, at the end of the first half. He was not able to return. The backup quarterback came in. His first three pass attempts were all intercepted with the third one being a pick six and put them down 31 to six. And I don't know that I've ever seen an 0 for 3 that was still yet a 3 for 3 performance with a touchdown for the opposing team. Um, he he was then substituted, and Kaylor Sullivan came in and, and led MSU pretty good down the field in the fourth quarter against some backups. But I, I don't know, Mike, have you ever seen a, an 0 for 3, 3 interception with a pick 6 out there? No, that sounds like my pitching career, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's my Madden stats. Yeah. <laughs> don't record a single out, give up three earned runs. Um, yeah, no, that's not good. That's not good, obviously. Um, you know, like for Midwestern State, you know, for people that don't know, you live in Wichita Falls, you're right there around the program. Kind of how do you grade this year based on your expectations for them? Since that, you know, for people that don't know, that was the end of the regular season for, for them. Yes. And, and you know what? It's, it's interesting because I got to give them two different grades. They started the season. Expectations were to repeat as Lone Star Conference champions. They were the yep. LSC champs last year. They had all the pieces back. It didn't quite fit this year. It just didn't work from the start for them. And so I, I think the first half of the season, I got to give them a, a maybe even a, a, a C minus grade. Like it's going to be pretty low, but then some injuries happened and that became a blessing for MSU because these young guys got in there. They got some experience and they gained confidence. Uh, this is a team that at the end of the season was pretty darn good. So I, I give the end of season uh, a solid B. And, and so, you know, maybe a good B minus or C plus for the year and a winning record uh, a few weeks ago, that looked impossible when they had lost three in a row. So, uh, you know, MSU ended positive and I'm a big believer, Mike, in, you have to end the season with momentum. That carries into your offseason. Those are the teams to watch out for next year. MSU is one of those, and we'll be talking about another one here in a couple minutes. For sure. I'm a big believer in that as well. Kind of end on the runway. You know, like be be yeah. moving in the right direction. Be moving forward for takeoff that next year because uh, things can get weird behind the scenes, especially at the lower level. Uh, when yes. things are, are when things are falling apart, right? Like it can get ugly really fast. You can go from a conference winning uh, team, a conference contending team, to bottom of the barrel very quickly 
uh, if well, things go bad of, the end of the year. Speaking of how things can go bad. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of that, West Texas A&M fell to 5-6 and six on the year with a 46-14 to 14 loss at Simon Frazier. WT was outscored by a combined 36 to nothing over the second and third quarters. Simon Frazier amassed 465 yards of total offense on 73 plays. They averaged twice as many yards of play as West Texas A&M in this one. Uh, this was the third straight loss to end the year for West Texas. Man, on one hand, you got to go to the Pacific Northwest, which is maybe the coolest place in, in the world. I don't know if this time of year it's the best place in the world, but definitely one of my favorite places. Uh, but then you just kind of get boat raced by a Canadian team up there that isn't all that good. It's not like Simon Fraser is this excellent program that's beaten a lot of people. Corey, just how disappointing are you? Or are you uh, not only just with this loss, but just in general, the way that this season ended and, and just overall for them? It's not good. Not good. It's it's not good in Canyon right now, and I I hate it because uh, I'm a big fan of that coaching staff. They are some great people. It just isn't good, um, and, and hopefully they'll have a chance to turn that around. But you know they had a they had that trip. It's not easy to travel. They're not flying private first class. They're flying budget commercial airlines to get up there, and they they plan yeah. to spend a couple of days in Washington, kind of tour around there, let the guys have some fun, but. You get on the field, you play a Simon Fraser squad that a few weeks ago was held to negative four yards for the entire game by Angelo State, and you give them almost 500 yards. And then you can't move the ball against a team that gave up 77 points to Midwestern State. Look, I know Simon Fraser was getting better. They were improving every single week this year. That That's uncalled for. Remember the one we talked about, Colby Carthel, SFA, a couple of weeks ago, and, and that loss at home that's just inconceivable. It can't happen to uh, Utah Tech. This is that, but at a at 10 times greater level. This loss could not happen. And, and it really, you talk about good momentum to the offseason. This is not. This is the opposite of that. This There are some trying times coming in Canyon. Yeah, I mean, chips on the table. I thought about going to this game with, with West Texas A&M um, just as a story, like how do you get from Canyon, which for people who don't know is a little bit outside of Amarillo, uh, from from there uh, to Canada. And, and basically the way they were doing it is they were taking a Southwest flight. Uh, they've got a layover in Denver, right? And then they're going up to Washington, staying near the border on the American side. They were busting up the day of the game, playing the game, busting back, and then leaving late that night or early into the next morning without staying in another hotel. So. You know, you got to deal with budget. You got to deal with distance. There's just so much that goes on with this that I know the travel had to be a big part of the performance, but not 30 points, right? Yeah. You lose this game 28 to 25. Maybe you can talk about travel and thin margins and things of that nature. You get blown out like this. This isn't about travel. This is just about being unprepared and just simply not being that good. Yes, it is. It is. But. You know, I want to cut real quick. I got some breaking news that just came across here on uh, Texas a So while we're in the D2, let's go ahead and mention that they will be playing in the Funtown RV Heritage Bowl against East Central on December 3rd in Corsicana, Texas. They are heading to, heading to the bowl, and that's a team that lost four straight games to end the season. This bowl game, they go in there, they beat a, a decent East Central team. That's the momentum they need heading into the offseason because they're improved. They're they're right there. 
to take that next step. This and those extra practices for this yeah. are huge for that program. Yeah, unbelievably big. Unbelievably big for that program. Moving on to our last game we're going to talk about in depth from last week. Saul Rock closed out 2022 with a bang, beating Southwestern 44-41 to at home to reach four wins on the year. Program only had two in 2021. Southwestern finished the year at three and seven. The two offenses combined for 951 yards. Southwestern averaged 17 yards of completion. Saul Ross was at 9.1. But it was five turnovers by the Pirates. Those proved pivotal in this game. Corey, we've kind of talked about Saul Ross all year and kind of, you know, them improving and improving and improving. Uh, do you feel like this win is kind of like proof of concept that that was true and this program is starting to really turn a corner? Look, when you can you can use the transfer portal to your benefit, and Sol Ross and, and Barry Derrickson has done that, uh, basically my only question remaining for the Lobos is how long are, is that interim tag going to remain on yeah, the head right. coach? I mean, I, I got it. I get it. It was for a year, but – now, after this season, this was not expected from the Lobos outside of Alpine, and maybe by not so many people inside Alpine <laughs> either. It was a great year for Sol Ross, and so they need to go ahead and and build off of that and get, get the coaching staff secured on that one. We try not to play favorites, but I'm absolutely rooting for Sol Ross to become some dominant program to give me an excuse to make the McLean family pay to, for me to go to Alpine and then maybe just sneak over to Big Bend again for my yearly kind of visit to my favorite part of the state. So uh, good on them. How about Southwestern? What are your kind of thoughts on, you know, where they're at as a program? They're, they're heading out of the yeah. American Southwest conference. And you know what? That's best for them. We we're seeing a divide in division three right now between the ones who really care mostly about football and the ones who really want to follow the traditional D three model of academics first Southwestern's one of those teams. I, and that's fine. Both I, I don't complain about either one of them because you can win at both styles. Just it's hard if you're competing uh, against each other. It doesn't help anybody in that case. So look, Southwestern, it was the same story this year. Turnovers, inconsistency, the offense was good or the defense wasn't, vice versa. They they couldn't close out games. There, there's going to be some some soul searching done in Southwestern this this offseason, but I, Joe Austin's going to have them back. And, and when they get to the, I think they're heading to the Southern Athletic Association next season when they get over there they're going to be they're going to be a team that's going to play well in there and so the future is is very bright for them yeah just from listening to coach talk a little bit i, I know he's excited about the move because it kind of gets them out of the state right like you can recruit a little bit you can go uh play different teams kind of you know have a little bit more uh, expand your horizons and they are planning to build an on-campus facility and stadium yes. within the next couple of years and that's going to help them a lot for people that don't know southwestern's right outside of austin and georgetown they gave up football for a long period of time for most of my life there wasn't football they're building it back up so it's going to take a little bit of time to get there but it does sound like the administration is moving in the right direction cares about football and wants it to be successful so uh, that's, yeah, that's good news there. They definitely do. They, they really do. And I, you know, Mike, anytime you and I start using the phrase, most of our lives, that's a lot longer than it used to be. 
<laughs> you don't have you don't have to remind me, man. You do not have to remind me. I'm getting towards uh, prostate time, and I am very nervous. <laughs> I am very nervous about how my doctor's uh, visits are going to change over the next. So I still got a couple years, but I just set my yearly physical and realized I only have three more until that physical gets a little bit more nerve wracking. So that's it where I'm at. A, it gets a little more intimate. I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Side note, I remember asking my dad one time, like, how long does that last? Like, what's the, you know, he's like, longer than you want, you know? And I... <laughs> <laughs> just just make, like the one, I can't remember which comedian it was. Just make sure they take that Super Bowl ring off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's move into uh, week 12. You know, for some teams, this will be the first round of, of the playoffs. For, for Juco, it's going to be the second round of the playoffs. But let's start at the whack in a season finale with everything on the line. SFA five and five at Abilene Christian seven and three. This game kicks off two thirty p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. This game, like Corey mentioned, is for the WAC championship. ACU won the first meeting in Nacogdoches forty-one to thirty-eight on October eighth. ACU on a two-game winning streak. They beat Tarleton and Sam Houston. Moving into this one, SFA on the other end of the spectrum on a two-game losing streak with losses to Utah Tech and Central Washington. Corey. It feels like everything is moving in ACU's favor here. <laughs> Does that make you scared, right? Does that make you more <laughs> nervous if you're an ACU fan? Because it feels like you're supposed to win, and that's when that can get dangerous. One thing I try to do is put myself emotionally into what a, into a fan base and, and kind of be a fan of these teams that I cover so you kind of feel those ups and downs as you go through it. And you talk about different types of feelings on this one. I am, if I, as ACU side, as an ACU fan, I am scared about this game so bad. You have a coronation ceremony basically being planned for this game. You just beat Sam Houston. Huge. You've, you've never come close to doing anything like beating a Sam Houston. Then you go on the road and you, you beat them force turnovers. You, you beat Sam Houston. You went into Tarleton, and you just impressed in Tarleton. And that's usually when Abilene Christian's going to put up a, a game that's not quite up to the level that, that we're used to over the years. You know, it's been since they were a Division II playoff team that that I that I can remember Abilene Christian being a team that, that you just expect to win. Then you got on the flip side, an SFA team that we don't know what they are coming in. Uh, this no isn't even excited to still play. They they put up seven points in trash time against Central Arkansas. They were not close in that game. I watched, unfortunately, a large bit of that game. And um, thankfully, I had another game on a different screen as well. So I didn't just have to endure all of that. It, playing well. The Lumberjacks are not playing well right now. I think Trey Self was sick last time, but, you know, he'll come back. They tried three quarterback. They couldn't get anything going offensively. And, and the defense just, you know, it's not an effort thing, though, Mike. That That's the thing about that I noticed in that game. It's not an effort thing. They're still playing hard for Colby. There's just – this is going to be a really key offseason for Colby Carthel and that staff. It almost feels schematic. And I, I don't – I'm not in the room, right? I don't have all 22 tape at my disposure at all times. I don't have the time to sit there – and, you know, break down SFA tape. But it does feel like, especially on the defensive side of the ball, 
it feels like a bunch of guys thinking about what they're supposed to do instead of a bunch of guys reacting and going and doing what they're supposed to do. And 10 games into the year, it shouldn't be like that anymore. I, I know you have changes. Defensive staff in that first month was going to be a little bit weird. But by this time of the year, there's really just no excuse for some of the just mental breakdowns SFA tends to have because it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't seem to be an effort. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a team that's quit. It just feels like a team that may not know exactly what they're supposed to do at all times. Yeah, that may be that. That's probably the best evaluation of them that I've heard, and uh, I, it's definitely different than the evaluation I hear from some in their fan base, right? <laughs> The, who forgot what the program was like just a few short years ago. But they did have a change at defensive coordinator. And if I remember correctly, I think that came after the spring yeah. practice. And if if so, that means you're really not able to install that until fall camp. That could be the reason why we've seen that indecisiveness on defense. Uh, you know, it, it takes I, I am a firm believer now that it takes a full year of a new coordinator before a team really gets clicking, which if you're a UIW, you're really happy to hear that because you're to be clipping. But, you know, let, let's look at it. The key there, DJ Kenny took over. It was it was a. He kept people in place. He kept mm-hmm. Leftwich, Mac Leftwich, and he kept the offensive coordinator that helped keep a lot of the players a lot are there for SFA, but it's really a completely different defense, but it hasn't just been the defensive side. That's concerning. The offense has been concerning as well at times. So it's going to be an interesting off season. Yep. Big off season for them. And with Sam Houston transitioning out, it feels like SFA should get into that spot. And so I think that's yeah. where the disappointment comes, right? Like expectations determine success. And, their expectations were so high that an average year feels like a big step back. If they can rebound next year and get back on track, I, I think this is uh, one of those you forget and you chalk up to kind of coaching changes, a weird year of transition, and you put it in your rearview mirror. And, and learning get... how to deal with success. Right. They, they have to right. do that too. So, yeah, I'm with you. Right. We, uh, we both watch the Cowboys. We know dealing with prosperity <laughs> is not always something that comes as naturally as maybe it should. Harden, this is a game I have been waiting for all year long, all year. Harden Simmons, 9-1 and one at Trinity. It felt like one of those, like, perfect first-round playoff games for D3. Only loss for Harden Simmons was against Mary Harden Baylor. I just want to see if Trinity is ready to compete with these types of teams. I think that they are. What, what say you? Do you kind of agree that they're ready to go – you know, not only just hang with Harden Simmons, make this one respectable, but you know, I think they're capable of pulling this upset if things bounce right. Well, Trinity's the favorite team. Yeah, <laughs> you know, going into this, hey, they have the home field. They're the top seed in that part of the bracket. They're going to host this week. If they win, they'll host the winner of Mary Harden Baylor and Huntingdon uh, next week. And so this is one. If it wasn't for SFA ACU and just the importance of that game. I would probably be in San Antonio this weekend uh, with this game. Uh, you know, Harden-Simmons, I, I I would tell you, to answer your question, three weeks ago, no. I would not have thought Trinity would be would, would win this game. But these last few weeks, they're putting it all together. For most of the season, the stats didn't match the numbers. The scoreboard wasn't – I was looking at stats that were dominating, but the scoreboard was not. And, and I – 
there's always something that, that gives me a little trepidation about believing in a team when it is like that because there's something going that, that's keeping them from reaching full potential. These last three weeks, they have reached full potential. They have played really good football going they're at home. They play really well, and you know what? They have a tendency to make a, a play. You might call it get lucky, but they make that play happen when they're at home. It, this is going to be a brutal game. It's probably going to be a defensive game. It's going to be drug out. It, this is going to be a full toss-up, but I have to give an edge to Trinity being at home. Yeah, this one. Take the under, right? right? If there's an <laughs> yeah. over and under. Take the under. There's going to be some hitting going on. It's cold outside. There's going to be some snot bubbles. Um, do you think Harden Simmons just kind of shows up free and just playing, nothing to prove? We're the underdog. We didn't make the playoffs last year. Let's go prove that we should have. I think they show up still angry. They, yeah. they don't. They didn't put up a very good showing against Mary Harden Baylor, and they haven't really had another team since then to kind of take some of that frustration out on. And so this is the first time that they've kind of been tested outside of the Howard Payne gives them a test as well. But this one, they, they have a chance to really get up for it, really get fired up for it. This is a game Harden Simmons really needs, you know, yeah. Jesse Burleson, this coaching staff, they need this playoff success to keep building in the right direction. I think that's what fascinates me about this game so much is like, I feel like I don't know a ton about these teams, even though I follow them on a weekly basis, just because like for the last two months, I don't think I've seen either one of them truly tested talent on talent wise. And this will be one of those opportunities. And we see who can kind of handle that because sometimes that can shock you. And then you're down 17, nothing before you kind of recalibrate and realize, Oh, Hey, we're on an even playing field here. So I think a quick start is important for both teams. Oh, it definitely is. And, and avoiding those turnovers early, when you yeah. get hit because you haven't been hit like you're about to be in a while too. So, you know, this is one of those things when you get the playoffs at division three, you're reaching those different level of teams. Remember we talked about Southwestern. They're kind of on that plane with Trinity, but a pretty tough team that's going to hit you in the mouth. Last year, they nearly knocked off Mary Harden Baylor on the road. That team is back. This team, they know how to win. They know how to play in this. Harden Simmons has, has their hands full. So we're both taking Trinity. Are we on? We're on record I'm, there. I'm on board with Trinity. Okay. All right. So we're both taking Trinity. Moving to the next D3 first round game on the slate. Huntington nine and one plays at Mary Harden Baylor. Also nine and one. This game kicks off at 12 p.m. Corey, I mean, on paper, relatively even team, similar record, similar statistics, that kind of stuff. Where do you kind of see this game being decided? Well. It's a lot because we've got five weeks left in the season, and so now we're in playoffs, and this is when you get to hear this. But the way to beat Mary Harden Baylor is to out-physical them and dominate them up front. I don't know that that can happen this week. I don't know that the crew are going to get dominated this week. And by the way, they played their best game of the season last week against McMurray when Larry Harmon told them, uh, seniors, it's time to flip that switch now <laughs> before next week. And – Oh, my goodness, did they flip the switch. 102 yards they gave up to McMurray. I mean, it was a, it was just obliteration happened on the field there. They're ready. They're prepared. I, I expect the crew to win this one, but it is interesting because they're going to be challenged. The back the backfield, defensive backfield, the secondary. The Hunting, Huntington has a, 
has the ability, the receivers, and the talent level to stretch this defense a little bit and challenge them in the back in the defensive back end, and that is the youngest part of the crew this year. So that that is going to be interesting to see how that happens. This does feel like Mary Harden Baylor time. You know, like they don't really have to get up out of bed until mid-November, and this is why. Because, you know, we talk about not being able to flip the switch when you're a team that's never done it, where you have to learn how to win. Well, this is a program that knows exactly how to win. Even if their head coach is different, even if yeah. some of the players are different, they've been in this program. The program standard is to get into these type of games and then to win. And most of the time, to win pretty impressively. And so I feel like, like you mentioned, we saw the preview of playoff Mary Hart and Baylor last week and how dominant they could be. I'd be surprised if they're not, you know, at their best this week, just knowing what the stakes are, knowing that they're not the overwhelming favorite, that they're going to have to do this maybe the hard way, quote unquote, uh, I think maybe serves as a good piece of motivation for them. Uh, because, you know, again, they're just a program who knows what this time of year is about. But they remember last year against Trinity. This team remembers that. And so they'll make sure they try not to try to avoid that. It is funny, though, you say that this feels like Mary Harden Baylor time because Riley Zayas of True to the Crew, he does a great job. He posted some quotes from Larry Harmon's press conference uh, yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. He said, I don't think our kids since 2016 have felt pressure with it. It's more feeling grateful and excited about the opportunity. That's probably a big secret to our success in the postseason. Yeah. It's another business day for them. When the playoffs start, they go get their hard hat, they go clock in on the old time clock, and they go play football, uh, you know, old school style in one of the nicest facilities in Texas. My grandfather used to always say, never get in a fight with a guy with a smile on his face. <laughs> and and that that's kind of what you know like that's what that quote reminds me of right like you're playing the most important game of your life and this means so much to you and Mary Harden is just playing another football game where they're about to beat your ass and that that's really the difference <laughs> that's the difference right like that 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 men mentality difference is a huge deciding factor in a lot of these 50-50 games in my opinion I, I think that's a huge advantage Mary Harden Baylor that doesn't show up on that sheet no, it is, and I'll tell you why I think so. Because if you're one of these teams play Mary Harden Baylor, your week of preparation, you're you're trying to be hyper focused. Well, in that trying to be hyper focused, you're actually not as focused as you should be. So then you get Mary Harden Baylor, they're not hyper focused. They're just going through a normal week preparation. They're paying attention, maybe a little bit more. You know, they're getting their but they're going through at that steady. So come Saturday, you've had your emotions up all week getting ready for Mary Harden Baylor. Saturday, they come out and go, all right, boys, let's ride. Yep. Yep. It's, it's like a cage fight. You know, sometimes you see those guys that get out of the first round and they're dying. They're just absolutely yeah. dying. And that, you know, that's kind of what it is. They get so hyped up because it takes a toll on you physically and emotionally. Like you only have so much bandwidth. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, this this is the time of year where it's not just about talent. It's about mentality um, and experience. And Mary, ha Mary Hart and Baylor has the advantage because they have the advantage in all three of those things. Like, this is also a super talented team. And so uh, you add being more talented with being more experienced and being more used to winning these games. And they're just a hard team to beat in the playoffs. It's why, 
you see the same college football teams in the, the national championship college picture at the FBS level, right? Uh, because expectations just become the standard and it's easier to live up to a standard uh, than to exceed it. Our last uh, game we're going to look ahead at uh, this week is at the JUCO level. Kilgore, who pulled off a shocker last week, knocking off an undefeated Trinity Valley squad, 38-10 in the first round. They're going to go play a team that I feel like we should adopt into this podcast because we talk about them on a weekly basis as they play against, you know, one form or the other and one team or another from the state of Texas, New Mexico military Institute who barely beat Navarro 24, 23 in the first round. These two teams have played before they played on September 17th. NMMI won the first meeting 31 to 24 over Kilgore. Corey, can Kilgore pull this one off? They pulled one off last week. Can they keep that rolling? Yes. But before I get into that, I got to let you know, we had a listener who has been kind of around the New Mexico military it's area program. It's NIMI. They say NIMI. Like NIMI. N-I- N-I-M-M-Y. NIMI okay. for them. So we will now that makes go it better. with NIMI. Right. That yeah, makes it hey. easier because I always fall over that. I, you know, I have an old speech impediment I've worked through and I <laughs> I always fall over that NMMI stuff. Like I can't do it. So NIMI? NIMI. NIMI. That, okay. I can roll with that. So how That makes does, it easy for all of us. <laughs> right. How does Kilgore, and it makes them seem less intimidating. How, <laughs> yes. how does, how does Kilgore pull an upset over NIMI? Well, the first thing they're going to, that would help them a lot is if they can force eight turnovers, five in the first half, like they did against Trinity Valley. Last- right, right. They found the recipe. Just, uh, just get <laughs> yeah, eight free possessions. <laughs> you know, Trinity Valley, they had lost their opening game of the season to snow. They went, they had won every game since then. And then they get into this and my goodness, you talk about putting up an egg when you cannot afford to put one up. They did. And Kilgore was there to take advantage you know, I put in the Texas 47. This is where I expected Kilgore to be. I expected, I said at the beginning of the season, they have the best defense. Like, they're a mean, nasty team. I, and then they went through a time where I don't know what in the world happened to Kilgore. Well, guess what? They're back. And uh, Nimi has got their hands full this week. It is a 7 o'clock game. It is in Roswell. It is at the Wool Bowl out there. But... um if any team in, from the state of Texas is prepared to go into that strange location and walk out with a victory, it would be the Kilgore Rangers. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, they've already played this team. I know it wasn't in Roswell, but they played this team. They know what it's about. You know, they just beat a team last week that they had lost to before. It, it's tough to beat teams multiple times in a row. And so uh, it feels yeah. like Kilgore's got, you know, no expectations on. They can just like kind of let it loose, go play a football game, pull an upset, see what, you know, they don't have the expectations where Nimi, you know, kind of feels like a national championship contender. Um, and so it, it does feel advantage Kilgore, at least in that way. It is. And that's what makes this SWJC FC so hard. This, this Juco level is so difficult because you play each other once you're playing nine games through the season and then they go, okay, well, we're going to give you playoffs and add two more. I I know why they do it because of money and budgeting and it's easier. I I get that. Uh, But my goodness, if you can survive that gauntlet, the national championship game is almost easy from there. And Nimi did it last year. They, They were able to do that. Trinity Valley was not, that was the question. Could they play still play that consistent ball? They couldn't eight turnovers, for crying out loud, that game was over early. 
so, but Kilgore is playing with an anger because they do have that, you know, revenge factor, if you will, on there. They know what's coming. They, they're going to go in and be ready to play. I don't know that anybody, maybe if Nimi wins this, they could get into the national semifinals, but I don't even know if anybody in this conference, because they beat each other up so much. All right. It feels, you know, I'm glad we started this podcast because like we get to these games and they, they deserve more air, you know, like they deserve, you know, their own spotlight. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun, you know, as FBS kind of trickles towards the end, you know, I feel like sub FBS really puts it into overdrive. I'm excited for this next month of football for sure. That's why this playoff system is so good because, when while FBS goes into their bowl season that hardly few people want to watch a lot of times, the sub FBS has actual play. Uh, just tell you where I am this morning. I, um, I reserved three hotel rooms in three different locations for next weekend for, and, and I'm trying to work out the high school coverage and then head into the college coverage type of weekend, three locations, uh, Angelo who has a buy, this week, I've got I've got one out in that area. I've got one for Belton in case uh, Harden Simmons pulls off the upset and plays Mary Harden Baylor in Belton, and then I've got one in San Antonio in case Mary Harden Baylor plays Trinity. I'm set. It's just a matter of can I remember to cancel those? That's really the question. <laughs> yeah, no that uh, that is tricky. That has happened to me before too, where I'm like got a charge on my phone and it's like, what happened? Oh, I did not. Cancel the hotel I booked for love. By the way, my wife hollered you better from her office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she'll she'll keep you in line. She'll she'll oh, let yeah, you know definitely. So. <laughs> All righty, man. Uh, for Corey Hogue, for Mike Craven, uh, thanks for listening to Republican Football. Please rate and subscribe, and go to TexasFootball.com to keep up with everything Texas football related, from one A in high school to six A in high school to JUCO to D three to D one, like all the way up. We have it covered for you. So thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.